Race fans, welcome to another edition of the Road to Indy Insider Podcast. This is episode number seven. My name is Rob Howden, and back in the home office after a fantastic weekend at Road America. And, you know, it's just, I, I think it goes to, without saying that we're going to have a great weekend when we go there. The track is just such a fantastic facility. The layout and the track itself is just so great for racing with the long straightaways, all the hard braking zones, uh, some of the, you know, the tough sweepers like the carousel. The track just offers so much and also provides a lot of overtaking opportunities, which I, which I think is exciting. Uh, joining me on this edition of The Breakdown, as we look at uh, look back at Road America and the Mazda Road to Indy, Krista Hardy, staff writer for Motorsports Tribune and a contributor to IndyCar.com. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Rob. It's fantastic to be uh, joining you on this podcast. I'll tell you what, just hearing your intro made me feel like I was already back at the track, uh, and it was really, really nice. So I'm looking forward to this. You know what? What a track, right? This it, There's just something about Road America. With the long straightaways, when it comes to Indy Lights, you really get a chance to leverage the push to pass as well. We saw that get used quite a bit. But just the track itself, uh, again, you know, it's just this beautiful park setting uh, that we had this four-mile racetrack tucked into, packed, absolutely packed with, uh, with fans, uh, sold out the camping again, perfect weather, what, 70s and 80s, blue sky, sunny, really I don't think we could have asked for much more in terms of the weather. If you could have uh, told me, hey, Chris, I up some race day weather, that would certainly have been it. That was only my second time actually at Road America overall. And I tell you what, it was fantastic. I found uh, my old pizza place that I found. The food was great. Um, I did pretty much everything I wanted to do the whole weekend. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, no complaints at all. And Road America delivered again, as always. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's good to hear that you ticked off all the boxes. I made sure I had a brat. We did the Friday fish fry. We uh, had some uh, spotted cow. So we I ticked off the boxes as well. But but, you know, just for me, perfect weather fans coming out in droves again. Uh, IndyCar race went obviously green to checker, not the most exciting race, but I thought there was some great racing as well. Some uh, enough excitement courtesy of Alexander Rossi. But let's jump into the Road America breakdown here on the Road to Indy Insider podcast. Let's start, of course, with uh, with Indy Lights. Chris, we'll start at the at the, at the top of the uh, the order in the Mazda Road to Indy ladder system. Uh, I thought personally, I thought that that Indy Lights, even though with just seven cars, I I was pretty sure going in that we were going to have some really good racing. Only knowing the fact that there is so much talent in Indy Lights. I said only seven cars, but you got to believe that all seven of these guys down the line could start an IndyCar race if only a one-off like the Indianapolis 500. All four of these guys, all seven of these guys dialed in, ready to go, top quality drivers, top quality equipment. And for me, coming in, there was just so many storylines. Was, was there one that you were looking, you think you looked at coming into the weekend? Uh, well, Franzoni, with um, what happened last year at Road America when he started last in the second Pro Mazda race and almost yeah. won. I was looking for him to kind of get a little bit of revenge on the track uh, after last year. Also, you had Aaron Tielitz. Uh, he swept Promaza here in 2016. Looking to see if he was going to be able to pull into victory lane. And then, of course, you have Colton Herta, who was just coming off of winning, th- you know, sweeping the entire month of May. Um, was he going to make it four straight at the first race in Road America? getting a little bit closer to becoming another second-generation driver in IndyCar racing. And then, of course, you have Santi Arrucia as well, um, trying to claw back, you know, having three, you know, two straight fourth-place finishes, hasn't had a win since St. Petersburg. Was he going to, you know, pull himself up further in the standings, or was he going to yep. not have as good of a weekend? And that's it, right? We had so many storylines going in. Those are just four of them. And then you throw in the fact that Pato Award trying to uh, get back in on his winning ways to see if he could, uh, you know, claw back into that championship lead for uh, for Colton Her- uh, for Colton Herta. Now, all the teams in the Mazda Road, Danny, USF 2000, Pro Mazda, and Indy Lights, all testing a week prior. So they came in with some track knowledge, a good setup. They had a chance to really test. So they hit the ground running pretty quickly uh, in practice and qualifying. Qualifying for the first race, I'll tell you, pretty, I think, a good indication of what we're seeing uh, in the Indy Lights right now. And that's kind of the arrival of Victor Franzoni. I speak a lot, Chris, about how the fact that rookies in any program, 
whether whatever level it is on the road, Dandy, you start getting to Road America in these middle races. That's when the rookies they're all they're, they're comfortable. You know, we'll talk about it in in USF 2000. Rasmus Lint for Paps Racing, he ends up being the top qualifier, two poles for his team as a rookie. They're starting to get comfortable. They're getting a feel for the car. And Victor, you probably talked to Victor, and he probably said the same thing. He's really starting to get a good feel for this car now. Absolutely. Uh, Victor did a pretty good job over at the uh, Chris Griffiths test last year when he had his first ever test in the Indy Lights car. Um, it just took, took him a little bit of time to actually get used to it in a race setting. I mean, he had, what, three fourth-place finishes to start the year off. But, you know, once you get more comfortable in the car, you'll be able to get better and better results. I mean, he had a second at Barber, a third at the Indy Grand Prix, and unfortunately didn't have as good a race in the Freedom 100. But things are starting to come together for him a little bit. But with only seven full-time competitors, it's going to be very difficult for him to get higher up in the standings, of course. Well, he knows he's going to have to win some races. And it's interesting you brought up the Freedom 100 because I talked to Ricardo Junkos, and he believed that it had not been for that flat tire for Victor that he would have had a shot at the race win. They were really happy with the car they had. And I just think you're seeing, seeing Franzoni step up. Obviously qualifying on the pole for race number one. Let's take this opportunity now as we talk about Victor and say, hey, uh, pretty tremendous uh, for him character-wise to be able to approach this weekend like he did. In, of course, in lieu of what happened the week before, of course, Jeff Green, uh, pro Mazda competitor last year for Hunkos Racing at 60 years of age, passed away in an incident, uh, a a horrific wreck at uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. uh, The week before in his uh, Lola 1972 Lola F5000 car. And again, you know, a lot's been said. I've talked about it. You know, we've talked about it on the broadcast about the fact that Jeff played such a crucial role and stepping in when Hunkos Racing was planning to get out of Promaza last year. And then the, hey, you know, then Vic, he says, I want to race. Jeff goes, I want to race with you guys. Let's go Promaza Racing. I need a teammate. They hook him up with with uh, Victor Franzoni. That allows Franzoni to move from what might have been a partial USF 2000 schedule to a full-time effort in Promaza. He goes on to win the championship with Jeff as his teammate uh, and then gets a scholarship. And I know, I know that Jeff still played a role in, in Hunkos Racing uh, as at the start of the year, you know, before his passing. Uh, but again, obviously you can speak to this a little bit, Chris, tough, a tough weekend all around losing, of course, uh, Jeff at Mosport, then the uh, sprint car driver in Wisconsin on the weekend as well. Yeah. Uh, Jason Johnson lost his life at, uh, in Wisconsin this past weekend, the world of outlaws driver, um, very well loved for, he's from my home state, but back to Jeff green. One thing that I think a lot of people, uh, may not remember about, what happened with Jeff and Ricardo and Victor and all is that Victor got the call to be a pro Mazda driver while he was working on a go-kart in new Orleans <laughs> and everything That's happened weird. so quick. And it was all done the week before the season started. I don't even think Victor and Ricardo even signed a contract to actually run pro Mazda last year. They just did it all on a handshake agreement. Now, with Jeff, he I had I spoke with him after the season was over last year, and he was tr- aiming eventually to become the try and become the oldest driver to ever race in the Indy 500. He even said he tried to sign all of his in- autographs, go AARP, to try and get backing from them. He had a great <laughs> he had a great sense of humor about oh, the okay. whole deal, and not only that, he was actually pretty decently good behind the wheel as the season went on last year in Pro Mazda, getting a fifth at Road America and actually getting a fifth at Gateway as well. So yeah. he showed that he could deliver the goods when the time came. And he was always be remembered, of course, for helping Victor out with getting into Pro Mazda and helping him continue his journey in American motorsports. Agreed. And wherever Victor Franzoni ends up, he'll definitely be able to count Jeff Green as that uh, that turning point in his career where he was able to continue when he may have stopped. And you mentioned Jeff Green at Gateway last year. He was actually my star of the race that in that that race because he was so impressive. I said 60 years of age and he was bombing around that track at Gateway doing a tremendous job. I was absolutely blown away. Uh, by what he was able to do uh, uh, in the oval races for for Promaza. So let's let's move forward. Victor Franzoni on the pole, of course, for race number one, uh, Chris. And to be honest, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to bolt out. Let's see what happens. And now that, you know, of course, talking to Victor after the race and, and throughout the weekend, simple fact was, you know, he just, here's a kid that's learning how to drive. And he told me in Victory Lane on IndyCar Radio on Sunday after he won, uh, on Saturday, he said that was probably the worst race I ever ran mm-hmm. because he just went out and absolutely flat burned the tires off trying to keep uh, Colton Herta behind him. Five laps and he had no fronts left. And then 
you know, fast forward to Sunday, he called it the best race he had ever run. So again, learning on the road, didn't he? It's what it's all about. You got to make your mistakes, right? Yeah. You, you learn more from your failures than you, you do your successes. And so he ends up in race number one, leading early and then just could not hold back the Colton herd of train. Colton was coming all over the push to pass and was able to score a pretty impressive win by over three and a half seconds. I, for me to see Colton do that one, to, to, to come out of May, Chris, and do it again, you know, at Road America to keep that thing rolling, keep that that point lead expanding. What a what a run for Colton Herta. Uh, one thing I think Victor learned is that tire management is absolutely critical, um, especially at Road America when you're running at higher speeds. Yeah. Um, Colton, you know, manages tires better, and that's how he got around him. And Colton became the first driver to win four straight Indy Lights races since Alex Lloyd back in 2007. And Alex Lloyd that year won the Indy Lights Championship. So. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, Colton's, <laughs> Colton's doing all the right things to make sure that he is going to come ahead out, out with a scholarship. Um, one, of the, one of the key things about Road America, you talk about tire management, Chris, is the fact that it, it's such a, a give and take balance of trimming the car out as much as you can to get the top, top line speed, but you know, still having that grip in the corners. If you trim out a little bit, you're going to lose the, 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 the downforce and the grip you need in the corners. You slide the car a little more. And especially with some of the parts of this racetrack where they've repaved areas, pre repaved corners, you're going from older asphalt to the new pavement where the grip's there. And, and if you're sliding across, we see a lot of guys, as Victor in, in, in case in point, burning off those fronts. Yeah, it's and if you lose, if you go past that sweet spot on the tires, it's it's not you're not going to do anything productive for the end of the race. Right. It's gonna you're just going to keep sliding back and back and back and back and back. It's about saving what you have at the beginning to have it to run harder at the end of the race. I think we found out later on. I think it was race two where uh, Teals was coming up towards the end. Um, you manage your stuff well in the beginning, you're going to do a lot better towards the end. And that's when they pay the points out is at the end. I agree. Yeah, no doubt about it. Colton Herter, though, with a 3.7 second victory over Pato Award, his teammate at Andretti uh, coming home in second spot. Uh, Victor Franzoni uh, capping off the podium in, in third. For race number two qualifying, Pato uh, turned it up. Um, and it was really interesting. This, this is something I... I'm going to work on how to really describe it because I talked to Ricardo Yonkos and we we're talking about qualifying Pato, of course, able to go out and lay down a smoke and lap four tenths of a second quicker than Franzoni to get the pole for qualifying too. But in talking to Ricardo, he, he says, you know, we got seven drivers in this field, but the field is so close that you can't miss even one thing when you're talking about qualifying. Uh, he says that there's all these variables that you have to hit on perfectly. Number one, you've got to get, you know, you, you're coming in, whenever you come in, you got to get the, the new rubber on. So you're going to go to new rubber. Now you got to watch the, the temperature of the track. So if you decide to put more tire pressure, you got to hit the tire pressure perfectly. Then you've got to, of course, get the driver back out on the racetrack with it. So there's open tracks. So you're not having to worry about, about any traffic. Now, easier to do it on four miles at Road America, but on a shorter track, it's tougher. You got to get them back out so they're not going to get held up by anybody. You want to have open, open track. Then you've also got to hit it, the mark where the tire peak, so based on your tire pressure and the temperature, you want the peak of that tire, the, the maximum grip that when the tire does peak, you want to you want to hit that peak right at the end of the session with open track when you've got the least amount of fuel in the car possible. And then, of course, you put it in the hands of the driver and he's got to get the job done. So those variables, if you miss just one of those, and in talking about qualifying too, he, uh, I talked to Ricardo and he said, we just missed a little on the tire pressure. He said it got because it got it was cold, it was early in the morning. It was eight o'clock in the morning for qualifying for for race number two. It was eight, what sixty one degrees. Then the sun came out for the last ten minutes of that qualifying session. It got hot. It started to get really hot. He said we went about a pound too high on the tire pressure, and that means the tire peaked too early. And that's why he set his fastest time not in the very last lap or last two laps. He was too early on the fuel. He was too early on the peak tire to be able to get a fast lap. I was blown away by that description. It's enough to make your head spin faster than one of those, you know, Cooper tires. I mean, when we, when, when you look at how much money is on the line with these scholarships, you know, full well that your competitors are going to do everything that they can to out thank you and outdo you. You don't have room for error. There is no margin for error anymore. Um, and with how few drivers are able to win the championship nowadays as time goes on. I mean, let's face it, as we get to the last two or three races of the year, we're going to see the championship picture come closer into contention. 
you have other guys that are going to be looking at it and trying to figure out, well, let's see if I can at least get a race win if I can't win the championship. They're going to yep. throw everything in the kitchen sink at trying to at least get their name out there and notice, get themselves noticed as a race winner. Um, yeah, and, and not only that, other not every driver has the same you know strengths. Some drivers are more skilled at other tracks than other drivers. And we have to look at that. Like when the Indy Lights head to Iowa, we're going to be looking at Dalton Kellett looking at doing an amazing job there because he is very, very good on an oval. Um, we saw that at the Freedom 100 last year and this year too. Well, so race number one, three different uh, teams on the podium, yeah. Andretti, Steinbrenner, and uh, other, no, two Andrettis and one Hunkos. Three different ones, though, for race number two. Let, let's talk about race two. First and foremost, tremendous job by Victor Franzoni. Learns from race number one jumps out, gets that lead, and just flat pulls away. The car was perfect. He was perfect. An emotional victory for him and tears in victory lane, of course, uh, for his career, for in the memory of Jeff Green. You know, they, of course, dedicated the weekend and the race win to Jeff. So he gets his big win. But, man, I think that you kind of saw for the first time some of the desperation some of these drivers. Sensi Ruti, of course, Chris, making a real aggressive move, something we've seen him do before, but an aggressive move to try to get by. I believe it was a Pato Award down in turn number five, ends up bending the upper wishbone on the right side of the car, right front. Uh, tough one for Santi, who obviously needs to have a, a strong a strong run. Santi, aggressive? Surely you jest. Um, but, of course, <laughs> <laughs> Santi, uh, of course, is going to defend it with everything that he can. I mean, he's finished second in the last two championships, uh, in the championship standings. Uh, he's He wants to win that scholarship money, and so he's going to do whatever he can to defend him, uh, you know, defend the win. Um, fortunately, he defended a little bit too well, and it ultimately cost him the race. Um, that being said, Franzoni did an amazing job of keeping control of his car. And, you know, I think he had flashbacks to Anthony Martin racing against him last year and realized, you know what, I need to go. I'm not going to back off and I'm going to pass this guy and I'm going to win this race. And I think that's what was going through his mind there. Yeah. And, and ultimately it showed. And when we look at also the, um, the rest of the race, you know, Santi was, going to the pits, he had, what was it, a suspension issue that you called it. Um, he had to go back and, you know, try and regroup. And I guess he was just going out there for pride, trying to set a fastest lap to get a bonus point because whether we like it or not, every single point, you know, counts doubly. So with only seven drivers, so, you know, bonus points for pole, bonus points for fastest laps, those all get more and more critical as the season goes on. Yeah, for a guy that, uh, of course, you know, lost the championship, as we know, <laughs> um, uh, by one point or two points a couple of years ago, he's they were trying to claw back whatever they could. Now, uh, also for me, I just you know what the Franzoni run, fantastic. Colton Herta, just another, just a like a workman style second place, right? He's he's faster than the guys that are chasing him in the championship. He extends the lead even more. But I think it was I think it was pretty big. For Aaron Tielitz as well. Aaron, of course, coming into third spot, doing a tremendous job. The, of course, the Rice Lake, Wisconsin driver. Just something about Road America, and he had so many people there. I think for him to get that uh, that third place finish onto the podium was big. Aaron Tielitz has had a bit of an interesting history at Road America. Aaron Tielitz in 2016 won the two races at Road America and Pro Mazda, and that's what really vaulted him into the championship picture there. So he's always had a bit of an uh, – a liking for this course and of course when you have your your sponsors there you have your your family and your friends there to see you race it always gives you a little bit of an extra confidence boost in the car um for him it was fantastic to get on the podium because in the first three races of the year he completed less than a mile of uh i know of racing uh in fact in the first race he didn't even start so the championship picture although it's you know pretty much out of reach it's not going to hurt him to get more and more podium and put them in his back pocket as for colton though uh another second place finish at wrote him at a championship this year more and more podiums in his back pocket are going to help him out later on in the year he remarked uh last year at the chris griffiths test he needs to do everything he can to minimize the mistakes that he's done and i think that one race at st petersburg where he hit the wall kind of reinforced him in that hey let's back it down a little bit and let's try and focus and we've seen the result. Other than that one race to St. Petersburg, he hasn't missed the podium this season. So he's clearly doing the job. Yeah, I think I think that that, you know, because when he came in, that's the one thing he said to me at the start of the season. My, my goal this year is to minimize the mistakes. I made some mistakes last year. I overdrove the car. 
And then of course he has a great run and then does that, you know, in the, uh, uh, in the second race at St. Petersburg gets in the wall. And I think that that was just that reminder, that hard wake up call of, you know what, come on, I got it. This is what I got to do. And he's, he's been aggressive, still very aggressive. Uh, but again, not overly aggressive to make m- mistakes when he could hold on to a second place finish. So it's exactly what he did. He drove strong race P two takes the points and has that nice lead leading. Now, of course, Victor Franzoni with a tremendous run, as we said, the margin of victory, 8.9 seconds, walks away to an emotional uh, emotional win. His first, of course, uh, in Indy Lights competition. His team has rallied around him. Man, they, they absolutely love Victor. And, and that's kind of been something that's happened throughout his career. Everywhere he's go, he goes, everybody everybody in the team just works their butt off for Victor. Just such a got such a great attitude. He's a great, great young driver. He's got so much talent. And I know that the guys at Hunkos really have kind of rallied behind him. He ends up winning, as I said. Colton Hurd a second, and Aaron Tielitz in third. Uh, let's have a look now, Chris, at the championship standings because a pretty strong lead 17. right now for Colton Herta, um, as he leads by well, I think it's twenty-seven points at this point, or is it is it seventeen points now? Seventeen points, seventeen points, twenty. Yeah, so seven a seventeen-point lead, not massive, but considering the fact that he's got momentum. And, you know, we're now heading to Iowa. Uh, what do you think? You, you think his mindset's changed on championship yet? Or is he still is he still pulling that line? All racers like to say, they, I'll just win races and let the championship take care of itself. I, th- I don't think he's looking at the championship just yet, especially after uh, if we look at later on in the year. Um, Toronto, he didn't have a good weekend there. In mid-Ohio, he spun from the lead there. He can't be looking at the championship no. just yet um, because one bad race can – turn this thing entirely upside down um just looking at the guys behind him Pato award 17 points behind but he has three race wins uh santi ruscia is at 201 while colton's at 205 santi has one win but you know full well santi's looking at trying to get further up in the standings he's won at mid ohio he's won at gateway uh he's looking at trying to he's gonna look at trying to get back up into this thing um but colton he cannot let off the gas pedal because Every single mistake is magnified the closer we get to Portland in the end of the year. Yeah, and you know I think you're right, Chris. One of the things, the guys behind it, Pato Ward, Santi Ruzia, Victor Franzoni, Aaron Tietz, all of them capable of going on a win streak. You know, they they could all hit the mark and win five in a row pretty easily. You know, and that's I think that's the key is the fact that the drivers in the top five right now, even even Aaron Tietz, if he went on a win streak. He'd be able to claw his way back. He's well back now, 85 points. But again, you go on a win streak here and start start you know knocking out 32 points a race, and man, all of a sudden it's uh, it looks a little more impressive. So again, Colton Herta with that point lead over Pato. We'll see what happens next event, of course, for Indy Lights Iowa Speedway. Again, this is uh, episode number seven of the Road to Indy Insider Podcast. Chris DeHardy from Motorsports Tribute joining me here today. Let's uh, take a step to uh, down the uh, the ladder system of the Road to Indy to Pro Mazda because this was an interesting weekend. We saw, Chris, we saw Parker Thompson go on a pretty solid run. Uh, two wins in a row, one on the road course at Indianapolis. And he, of course, uh, scored the victory at the Freedom 90 at Lucas Oil Raceway as well. You figure he's going to come in with a bunch of momentum. He did. He was fast from the get-go. They they were strong. Um, qualified well. You know, qualified second uh, for race number one. But, man, this just turned out to be the weekend of BN Racing. Essentially, they're coming out party. First and second in both races with David Malukas and Toby Sowery, the uh, driver from England, coming over for a one-off. But it's with the, the Chicago, Illinois rookie, David Malukas. Two big wins. We mentioned uh, about Franzoni getting revenge on the track last year from Pro Mazda with um, his uh, second race. This was a revenge race for David Malukas as well, because if we remember in the second USF 2000 race, he was in second place. And on the last corner of the last lap, he spun it off into the gravel and unfortunately did not finish on the podium like he did in the first race. In fact, I actually watched that race a couple of a uh, couple days ago. That that finish, and I was looking. I was like, "Ooh, David's going to be replaying that for a while until he gets <laughs> that first win." And yep. well, I, he got it. Uh, David did a fantastic job all weekend long. Uh, I think he got pulled in both races as well. It was truly BN's weekend to shine. Um, just 13 months after their initial race last year at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, 
Um, and of course, you mentioned revenge races as well. Malukas in his last race before Road America was out at Lucas Oil Raceway in a collision with Harrison Scott. Both of them finished on the podium in both races. So yep. it was good to see them kind of come back and bounce back from the less than ideal situation at the Oval. Yeah, it really has kind of changed around the championship. We'll talk about the standings, of course, when we cap off this segment on on Pro Mazda. But no doubt about it, uh, as you said, uh, Harrison Scott and David Malukas getting together on the oval, coming out of turn number four. Both were quite heated. I know that Harrison was pretty uh, pretty cheesed uh, about the whole deal, but comes back strong with RP Motorsports Racing. Uh, has a rookie teammate, Raul Guzman, with him. And Guzman ends up finishing seventh, seventh in race one. But a couple of podiums for Harrison Scott as we had back-to-back uh, podiums with Malukas, Sowery, and Scott, one, two, three. Uh, I think Scott's still in the championship chase. He is a talent. I'm thrilled that we have him here with the road to Indy and, and look forward to seeing where he ends up going in 2019. But uh, nonetheless, Scott Strong. Toby Sowery, though. You know, we saw him last year, Chris, a, a one-off at Barber Motorsports Park with Team Bennick in in USF 2000. But here's a guy with uh, some pretty good pedigree in, in the BRDC British F3 series, top five in points in 16 and 17. Uh, I asked if we'd see him back. He said it was a one-off. I'm hoping we get Toby Sowery back here for some more racing because he's a talented kid. I think he truly enjoyed running over here. I talked to him. I also talked to Harrison Scott a decent amount um, with Harrison earlier in the weekend. And they both love running over here. It's a lot more open than it is over in Europe. It's a lot more just friendly and laid back. And I think both of them really enjoy that aspect of the road to Indy paddock. And uh, like you would see them going over and doing the track walks and you might see an IndyCar driver and they might go over and talk to you. Um, it's really, really great seeing Toby do well like that. And especially when you consider how you know fast this all came together. It came together for him in the last couple of weeks um, from his day job driving Lamborghinis in the uh, International GT Open Championship as well. Uh, it was a great job by Toby. Um, and not only that, when he drove last year for Team Bendick, it was Bendick's first top five finish in their first season on the road to Indy, too. So there's been a lot of nice firsts uh, regarding Toby Sowery. Great job for him. Yeah, hope, hopefully we can get him in here full time next year. That would be he'd be a great addition to the series for sure. And you're right. Uh, the, the the openness of the IndyCar paddock being on these weekends and, and just being able to kind of interact with IndyCar teams and owners and drivers. Uh, obviously a big draw for so many young pilots who want to come over here, be part of the Mazda road to Indy now. The funny thing is, so David Malukas, of course, tremendous, couple of big race wins, and massive. For, for me, the story of both race one and race two, now we'll talk, talk about the chaos a little bit of race number one, but Parker Thompson and what he was able to accomplish. I, I told Parker afterwards, because he obviously Parker got a couple of fourth place finishes. He was not happy at the end of the weekend, but I said, it's probably the most uh, successful, unsuccessful weekend he's ever had. Here's a guy that wants to be on the podium, wants to win every race, gets a couple of fourths, but he had to step up in both races and run down both Carlos Cunha and Renus VK, the two drivers closest to him in the championship battle. He runs them down, passes both. He ends up finishing fourth, but pulls away by five points. Extends his, I think it's five points. He extended his lead on the weekend uh, based on those great performances because he had to cut. He had trouble. He went back further. And they had to fight his way back forward. I thought he was probably one of the stories of the race for me. Uh, he was clearly channeling Star Wars because the fourths were with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Uh, hey, I, Ouch. I said we'd have a che- couple of cheeky laughs, and uh, that was one of them. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll take it. When we, yeah, when, just a pretty impressive run, though. But Parker, what's crazy about Parker is that you know he was clearly running down uh, Harrison towards the later part of the second race. Um, he wasn't going to give up on this one. It was... It was really just an, kind of a weird weekend also because when you had BN so far out in front, it was questionable whether he was going to be able, be able to do anything with those guys up front. Um, but the championship chase for him, it did give him a little bit bigger of a lead with Renus and Carlos. But, of course, David and Harrison, you know, gained a little bit on him from, you know, fourth and fifth in the standings. But Parker, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. I mean, yeah, he had the he had the win at Indianapolis. He had the win at Lucas Oil, so he was running a wave of momentum. But you know, you would think being that far back, you'd be like, oh no, no, things aren't looking so well. But you know, he still has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven races left in the championship to further out his lead. And with the res- yep. results that he's had so far, he's the only driver in the Pro Mazda field that's finished in the top five in every race this year. 
he can ride that momentum to go on and win this championship. And especially with the two races coming up, he's looking forward to trying to catch, as you call him, back-to-back jacks at Toronto. So he's he yeah. has a lot to look forward hey. to. And he's done it before. He's won at Toronto. Of course, that's his home race. Is well, it's his home race in terms of being in Canada. Of course, he's from the West Coast, but he loves Toronto. That's kind of you know, it's his, his Canadian race. But you're right. He that that team didn't give up. Exclusive Autosport didn't give up at all. Uh, Parker kept digging. And the crazy thing was, I actually saw Parker's in car from race number two, and it is an absolute miracle that he was able to finish as it was. At the start, they go down into turn number five. He's got the two R. Well, he's got one R- RP Motorsport driver, Raul Guzman, off to his right. He's making a move to the inside, going into five. Uh, Guzman goes a bit wide. Car gets a little bit loose. Parker comes to the inside to get the run up to six, and in comes Harrison right across, and and essentially nowhere to go. Parker gets pinched between the two of them. He hits the right side because Guzman's coming back. His right front tire. Hits the, or gets right to the side of Guzman. Guzman, of course, getting the forward bite. Parker just taps the brake a little bit, and the f- left rear of Guzman hits that tire, that front tire, and just rips up straight up in the air. So Guzman's done, breaks the hack shaft and all the suspension, but nothing happens to Parker. I can't, I cannot believe that his left, right front rather didn't just f- absolutely cave under that pressure. And then you fast forward to the restart where he's back in tenth. He gets a good start. Goes by Robert McGinnis into one, going by the outside of Askew. McGinnis gets into the back of Askew, hits him into into Parker, and another shot to the right front. So kudos to to Tadis for building some pretty pretty strong suspension pieces because I I don't know how Parker Thompson made it to the end. I honestly don't. I think Parker finally had some racing luck go his way. Um, True. I remember last you know two years ago at Mid Ohio he had a tire. puncture that took him out of the championship contention a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think this time around, it was basically, uh, you know, racing saying, you know what, we'll let you have this one. You, right. you'll, you'll be okay with this one. So yeah, we'll I think that's, what, that's what it was this time around. Um, you speak, you mentioned Askew. Uh, I was really perplexed at how back Askew was this weekend. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a setup thing or what, but I was really surprised um, that seeing what ha- what happened with him um maybe it's just an off setup but we'll ho- hopefully we'll see him do all of toronto and kind of get revenge on the track that you know got him his first dnf and usf 2000 last year yeah I, I think obviously getting back to toronto getting back to the street race i think they'll be a lot quicker uh, i'm not sure what's going on yet with with kate motorsports and oliver he had complained about uh, not having the straight line speed that he, that he thought he, he would would like to have had figured he was down a bit uh, tough for Oliver, of course, the reigning USF 2000 champion, went running those um, soul red Mazda colors, not to be able to be up front, finished, I believe, uh, eighth in, in race number two. And uh, where did he finish in race one? Do you got that in front of you? Ninth. In Ninth. fact, the so, top six in both yeah. races were the same. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They were. Now, that said, let's look at the let's look at the championship battle because most of those guys in the in the championship fight, as you said, Parker Thompson extends his lead uh, over Renus VK. Now has a 46 point advantage over Renus. Uh, Carlos Cunha just three back, but hello, here comes David Malukas. Right, he's only uh, eight nine points behind Cunha, but what 30 or 68 points behind Thompson. He'd have to go on a run as well, but. Just look at this battle up front, man. You got Malukas and Scott, as you said, uh, Chris, with a couple of good finishes, you know, uh, wins for, for Malukas and third place finishes for Harrison Scott. They're back in the hunt too. Yeah, that's mistakes, from, as I said, for Indy Lights, mistakes are magnified as the championship gets closer to the end of the year. But Parker hasn't really had a major follow-up all year long. Um, Carlos, you know, in third place there, had the 10th place in the first race of Barber. But, you know, Everybody else has had one mulligan or two uh, so far this year. Parker hasn't cashed in his mulligan yet, so to speak. And if he doesn't, it's going to be very difficult for Renus or Carlos or David to catch up unless something dramatic happens to Parker that causes him to lose a lot of points. Um, with the lead that Parker has right now, he has enough of a cushion where he can take a third place instead of a second but let's face it, you want to get that second place if you can. But then again, this comes with experience. If you could, if you have a third place car, stay with third place. If it's it, because if you go for second, it might risk you put yourself too much at risk and you might lose even more points. 
and it depends on who's in front of him too. Like yeah. like I said, this particular weekend, it didn't hurt him that much because Malukas and Scott and Toby Sowery, obviously, of course, he's not in the championship at all, but Malukas and Scott were down, you know, in, in fourth and fifth and well back. So he, he played it correctly and he'll do the same thing in Toronto. Although again, being at home, you can be sure that he and his engineer, Tim Lewis are going to drop the hammer uh, and, and try to score the big victory. It's of course the home race for the A team exclusive auto sport. And they'll definitely be uh, gunning, uh, for some race wins again, as Parker always says, as so many drivers do, if you win races, everything else just takes care of itself. They love it when a plan comes. Uh, let's move. Right there, it is. Well done, man. You're 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 full of them today, dude. That's awesome. Rolling little rolling little A team for us. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's move uh, to USF 2000 to cap off this edition of the Road to Indy Insider Breakdown Podcast. Again, Krista Hardy from Motorsports Tribune and a contributor to. IndyCar.com uh, helping out here this particular broadcast. Uh, USF 2000, uh, when we came into this race, I think you probably would have agreed with uh, agreed that you knew that that Pabst Racing was going to be strong. Augie Pabst and Tony's Casamitz, the whole crew there at, at Pabst Racing, they know this racetrack. Augie said she grew up at Road America. Uh, the shops just down the road in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. They come out of the box strong in practice. They were good in qualifying. All four of their drivers in the top six qualifying for race number one, you knew they were going to be good, but I wasn't sure who was going to lead the way I would, I would probably lean towards Kalen Frederick being the driver who'd be the quickest, but it was not, it was Rasmus Lint, Chris, a couple of uh, pole positions for the young Swedish rookie. Rasmus has come on strong in the last couple of races. Yep. Um, he was third at Lucas Oil Raceway. We were talking about him quite a bit on the PA over there. And we were really looking forward to seeing how he was going to do at road America. And obviously, you know, getting, back-to-back polls obviously was really really nice for him it was really a nice surprise to see him you know so high, high up and of course i was like you know i was expecting kaylin frederick to be you know kind of the leader in that because of how well he did last year driving for team pelfrey especially with how young kaylin is as well um very very raw very very talented of course kaylin didn't have necessarily the start to the season he wanted to have but he's come on strong in the last few races to vault himself to where he is right now in the standings so he's done a good job Agreed. so far Let's talk race number one. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting, kind of the way the race played out in terms of, uh, of first first and foremost, I, I kind of expected Rasmus to jump out early. He, he got a really good start. You know, got a good run up there, but Kirkwood, of course, taking full advantage of it. Kyle Kirkwood, your point leader uh, on his win streak as well for Cape Motorsports. Man, Kirkwood goes to the lead and essentially just handles things. Yeah, Kirkwood does what Kirkwood has been doing just go out front just lead and not worry about anybody else or anything else i mean he's done that before he did it at lucas oil where he just flat out dominated there he's done it in other races this year really i don't know what's what's gonna take to stop him um he just he was just so poisoned you know whenever you're up front that far you know it might seem like oh it's just another lap another lap another lap it's it's it may get you know boring not having anybody to run against, but still, to keep the focus that he had, he did a great job to keep his car on track and everything. While you know other people behind him, you know, were fighting for position here and there. Um, Kalen Frederick finishing second in the first race, and Keith Donigan uh, finishing third. Great result for Donigan. A really great result for him too. I think we should talk about him a little bit here. Yeah, he he moves to BN Racing for this uh, for this race. So a new team. Uh, you know, fresh start for, for Keith on a, you know, on a, a more European style racetrack, I think. But you know, here's a guy that's just was was absolutely dying to make a make a mark, you know, get out there and, and get a good result. And you're right out of the box. Super strong all weekend long. Uh, was kind of right there, you know, within the top 10 in terms of pace, but had a really good race and was able to get to third. I was I was impressed and, and happy that he was able to get a good result. Absolutely. Um, it's always good to see the um, this Monza scholarship winner, scholarship winner get another pod- get a podium result as well, especially on one of America's most iconic racetracks uh, at Road America. It was great to see him do that. Um, of course, we also, you know, we mentioned Rasmus Lind earlier. He got fourth place, another top five finish for him for the championship. And Corey Anders in fifth as well. A uh, good result for him, his second top five finish of the year too. So it was a great result for him. Uh, the biggest, the, what was I considered to be kind of a shock in the first race was seeing Alexander Barron in seventh place. Uh, he had done a great job earlier in the year with the two wins and a, and a second, and especially with that drive he did at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But 
he had the incident at Lucas Oil, and then he had a seventh in the first race at Road America. I don't know. I, I felt like, he, he, you know, the top five would have been on the cards for him. He was certainly someone I was looking out for. Well, yeah, the, the one thing is, and in talking to them, they had a, an issue with, with the car setup that they weren't happy with. He qualified 13th, and that was the thing about Alex. You know, I, I we knew he'd be charging, but there's only it's a 12 lap race right because the track's so long it's 12 only 12 laps uh and he worked his way from 13th up to 7th but again not not really what i expected either i figured he would be be further forward uh and he they made you know they made the car a lot better for race number two uh on sunday morning but wasn't quite able to turn it up there either we'll, we'll talk more about that but let's just cap off uh, race number one again kyle kirk will be the big win Kalen frederick in second keith doning as you said chris in the third spot rasmuth that holds on for fourth so a strong result for rasmuth i think he'll be one to continue to watch because he's just going to get better and better as the season goes on and as you mentioned Corey Anders, great great run for the texan uh, as he's able to go uh to p5 with deforce racing uh race number two though this was you know what <laughs> I've talked to this a couple of times, Chris. I'm sure you could, you'll echo my statement. I was super impressed with the USF 2000 drivers um, on the uh, the opening race of the weekend. First lap, they were two wide, three wide through one, two, three, crazy two wide through and all the way up the hill through five and six. Like it was, and they were aggressive, but it was clean. It was super clean racing. They they took care of each other. Not so much for Sunday morning. That uh, it was a bit of a debacle, if you want to use that, that term, because we had what two separate wrecks, I think, on the opening lap. One in turn one, one in turn five. We had a driver flip over in in uh, a can to corner, getting too aggressive, trying to defend a move. It was uh, it was not pretty. Let's put it that well, way. Someone says, "Oh, well, what happened?" Well, in short, everything happened. Um, it wasn't <laughs> a situation. You got younger drivers trying to you know fight hard to go for another Mazda scholarship and then you got a $300,000 check on the line, you're going to see some guys and gals, you know, make some risky moves. And sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. In this case, a lot of them didn't pay off. Um, It wasn't ideal, but I can at least say that everyone was okay afterwards. So that's the course, the primary concern, Um, not ideal seeing, you know, these, these young drivers have this, these situations happen with incidents, but you know, at least on the bright side, this is what they're there for is to learn. Uh, but of course it can be a pretty expensive lesson. So we go down to what essentially after the, after the wreck, I think it was, uh, when, uh, uh, Kyle Dupel got into the side of Darren Keene over in Canada corner, that was the kind of the very end of the race. And you know, they're cleaning that up. They finally got it cleaned up and we're going to go to a one lap dash. So it's essentially green and white, uh, at the, or yeah, green and white when they came back around great start. For uh, for Lucas Cole, he was uh, he was leading at that point. Uh, he gets a good start, goes down into turn number one. Kyle Kirkwood gets the draft, pulls around outside him, takes the lead in turn number one, defends to the inside of turn number five. Cole goes off a little bit under the braking, and Kalen Frederick slides through, not able to catch up to Kirkwood. But you know, give give it to Kirkwood, manufacturing another race win. Chris, he wasn't the fastest driver all you know all race long. He was having to battle. He started fourth behind three of the Paps cars. So he knew he had his work to do to get, to get around the three team members, but systematically worked his way forward, fourth to third, third to second. And then on that last lap, like a pro around the outside defense for the win. Put yourself in position to win. That's what Kirkwood did. That's what he's been coached to do with, especially being at Cape uh, Motorsports. And really that's what they do best is that they put, they give drivers a car that they can use to put themselves in position to win. Maybe they just didn't have it, uh, the setup right, like the very start of the race, but it, the car came on strong and Kirkwood did what he needed to do to show everyone why he is more than likely going to win this championship. Um, winning this race, it shows everybody, hey, when you think you have him beaten, uh, you might want to hold off until the checkered flag comes in because <laughs> he's, he's not going to give up that easy. So Kirkwood with the win by about four tenths of a second over Kalen Frederick on that last lap dash. Lucas Cole holds on for another podium. Obviously scored a podium last year at Road America as well. Cole's really starting to round himself out as a nice driver as well. He's uh, I look for him to some more some more poles. I mean some more podiums potentially a race win down the line. But you know outside the top three off the podium, Chris. Let's talk a little bit about Colin Kaminsky. What a tremendous run for Colin. Uh, in that slick locks number 27 started eighth stayed out of trouble made the passes when he need to and ends up fourth his best career finish in usf 2000 yeah he did a great job um really it's a case of if you 
you know, avoid where all's going on, you'll, you'll learn more and avoid about driving the cars and all. Uh, he did a great job avoiding everything, making position passes where he needed to, did a fantastic job. And then Igor Fraga finishing fifth, um, yep. his second top five finish of the year. Uh, another great job for him as well. Uh, interesting. The other thing about Fraga though is it's, he's he's in fourth in points, as you said. His second second top five. This is this is a guy who's just knocking out, not making the mistakes, right? Getting some good results and adding those points up. He's he's P four in points right now. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job uh, not putting the wheel wrong in the last uh, few races here. Best weekend for Michael D Orlando as well, the young driver to Hartsdale, New York, for Team Benick. He ends up in seventh spot. Good run for him, as I said. Manuel Cabrera from nineteenth. Uh, up into eighth position, so exclusive autosport with two drivers in the top ten. Good to see Dakota Dickerson back as well. One-off for Arms Up Motorsports in the number nine driver out of San Diego doing uh, F4 this year. In fact, right in the championship hunt for F4. Uh, I know Dakota would love to get back into the Mazda Road in if he could, but uh, nice to see him with Arms Up at Road America. Yeah, he did a great job. He was actually uh, the second uh, Mazda Speed uh, Soul Red scholarship winner uh, to race the Soul Red cars in the uh, US F2000 Championship. Yep. So it was good to see him come back and do a good job this past weekend as well, um, scoring a top 10 in the second race of the year. Great job for him. Great job to see him up yeah, there. Yeah, he, and he just said he was, you know, he was just getting used to the car again. He said, I just, I just got to get back because it, it was a late deal to get him in the car. He didn't get a chance to test it all. So for him, he just had to get, you know, get more, get comfortable with the car, get right back at it. And once he did, you could see him start to pick up speed uh, throughout the weekend. But again, it's uh back-to-back jacks, as I say, for Kyle Kirkwood. He extends his championship lead. You don't want to call it right now, Chris, because there's lots of racing still to do. You know, obviously the doubleheader in Toronto, triple-header in, in mid-Ohio, and then we go to Portland. Alex Barron and or, and or Kalen Frederick or Igor Fraga would have to go on a streak of winning. And Kirk would would have to have some trouble. He's got that much of a point lead. I'm comfortable calling it. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, when we look at the yeah. championship standings, he has a 94 point lead, which is I think double what Askew's lead was at this point last year. Kirk was the only driver to finish in the top five or even in the top ten in every race so far this season. He has more than double the points of Igor Fraga in fourth in the championship. Um, just to give everyone a kind of an idea of how good Kirkwood has been this year. Um, He'd have to collapse. It would yes. have to be a full. He'd have to have have to blow a motor. He'd have to wreck a couple of times. It would have to be a collapse for would, for Kirkwood would, not to be able to run away with the championship. It would take an act of Anderson to make to make him lose his championship. <laughs> I think he's in a pretty good spot, and, and having followed Kyle uh, for so many years through his karting days, I know that this is a kid that he's a closer. You know, he's you get him out front in a kart race, he's going to win. And he's just, he's mature. You know, he's, he's, he's raced at the top level of karting, which uh, for, for, for some is, it's probably, it's more competitive than USF 2000 Pro Mazda. You know, the top level of karting in this, in this sport is ruthless and it's, you know, it's hardcore racing. So I think that he's already been tested before battle tested. So I would not be surprised just to see him cruise through, win some more races and, uh, and follow in the footsteps of his buddy, Oliver Askew win a championship. I think that's definitely in the cards. For Kyle Kirkwood and Cape you Motorsports. call Kyle Kirkwood a closer, then I'm really scared to see what he's going to do in the last part of this year. If, if, right, if he's right, already done yeah. this so far, I was like, oh, great. What is he going to do? Get Pull off the uh, per, grand slam of pole, fastest lap, most laps led, and the uh, leading every lap and winning the race? Um, I'm scared now of what he's going to do now for the rest of the year. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Oliver Askew. They're from the same hometown. They've known each other uh, since they're, what, four or five years old? So uh i'm i'm pretty confident that they're talking to each other about you know feedback on how to you know what to do here what to do there and hey kirkwood's driving the same tub that Askew drove last year to win the championship so that that tub is you know seeing some winners in it so far it has it has it's been to victory land a few times all right uh, my guest today on this road to indy insider podcast the road america breakdown krista hardy staff writer for motorsports tribune and uh contributor for indycar.com uh, any final thoughts, Chris, on the weekend at Road America? For me, I just love going there, man. I just, you know, we hang out in Sheboygan, some great restaurants, you know, a lot of great local beer, having a broad at the racetrack, and just, I just love Road America. I've driven it myself uh, in several different kinds of vehicles in, in races, and I just love being there. It's just, there's something special about that racetrack. Fantastic. You mentioned the local places, uh, obviously going to Seepkins for a couple of nights. It was really nice being there, going to the Lincoln Street Sports Bar and having some of the best pizza I think I've ever had in the 
around the world. Um, nice. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Um, it's really easy to navigate up there. Uh, the track, although I haven't driven it in real life, I've driven it on iRacing. I can tell you, it's probably one of the most rewarding tracks to get right. And we mentioned, you know, final thoughts about the weekend. I asked Ryan Hunter Ray in his post race press conference. You know, even though he finished second in the race, he was going able to drive flat out for fifty five laps in the IndyCar race there. That has to be a very rewarding feeling, knowing that you can drive that hard the whole time. And even though you came up second, it was just a pleasure to drive that track. And really, what negative can you say about that the whole over the whole weekend? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, he's on a roll for sure. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray definitely on a roll now. I think his last five races, all the top five average finish of I think three point oh. So. This guy's on a roll right now, big time. Now, oh, the guy that won the race, I, uh, the IndyCar race, a road to Indy graduate, Joseph Newgarden, the yeah. 2011 Indy Lights champion. No doubt about it. Now, okay, let's. Uh, for me to, to wrap up as well, always a pleasure uh, to be able to work with Eric Mueller, uh, who is the voice of Road America. Just a, uh, the guy just knows his stuff. He's got a great voice, great, uh, great delivery, but he also knows. USF 2000 Pro Mazda and Indy Lights. I love the fact that he does his research, and you're just a great staff as well in the in the media room uh, at, uh, at at Road America. You guys are sipping spotted cows at the end of the day. Just uh, just the hospitality of that track always high. Oh, fantastic! They uh, actually brought ordered us Domino's pizza uh, when everything was done, and I didn't. I was so thankful because I didn't have to stop on the ride home to get food. All I needed to do was just stop for gas, uh, which is really really nice. And if I may. Um, the drive back and to, to and from was just fantastic the whole way through. So if you're coming up from the Indianapolis area, uh, definitely make some time to enjoy the drive to and from Road America. It's fantastic. If you're a race fan, it's a bucket list event. Come on up, camp or stay at a local hotel, whatever it may be. You owe owe it to yourself. There's so much racing going on at at, uh, at Road America. You just walk around that place. It's just a beautiful walk as it is. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a tre- tremendous track for sure. And it's a tremendous race the track well. renewed for three more years. So you don't have yeah, an excuse to not, not go there, everybody. Come on. That was all. You know, to, to hear that, I love it. I, I don't want us to ever not be there because it's just such a great facility. So, uh, you know, Chris, thank you so much for joining me, buddy. This is awesome. This was a great episode. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I was really, really happy to to do this. I'm so thankful that you asked me to come on, and I, I would look forward to doing this again, hopefully sometime. We'll make sure we put you on the schedule down the line. Again, ladies and gentlemen, the Road to Indy Insider Podcast, wrapping up our Road America Breakdown, episode number seven. Again, big thank you to Chris DeHardy for joining me here. Chris, one last thing. Let's make sure people want to follow you. You're obviously one of the most knowledgeable uh, writers that, that – follows IndyCar and and uh, the road to Indy where you know, obviously motorsportstribune.com and IndyCar.com where you where your stuff can get get read but how do they follow you on social media so at C Dehardy C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E is my uh, Twitter handle I also post on Instagram uh, I guess rarely sometimes uh, it's one of the ones that kind of gets lost in the shuffle um, but C <laughs> Dehardy uh, on Twitter is where I'm trying to post most of my stuff nowadays uh, I'm also on Facebook of course as well Almost all of us are. Um, but yeah, motorsportstribune.com is where you can find it. In fact, you can also find um, recent content coming up, like a review of Toby Sowery's weekend from last weekend at Road America, and even an interesting article about Colton Herda that just came up about an hour before we started recording. There you go. Chris, thank you so much, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rob. I truly appreciate it. There is, folks. Krista Hardy, staff writer at Motorsports Tribune and a contributor to IndyCar.com. We are done for this episode of the Road to Indy Insider. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for downloading the podcast. So much more to come here in the 2018 season. That's it. I'm Rob Howden. Bye for now. Bye for now.